Hey, this is Dave. This is Tim. And this is Dave and Tim. No, okay. and Dave. I got Tim and Dave. I, yeah. Yeah, okay. This. Well, we should testing. actually add that into the show. Hello, everyone. Hey, guys. This is Tim. And this is Dave. This is Tim and Dave. So um, I will say that I'm pretty pleased with the purchase I had, had acquired this week. What's that? And uh, I bought an iron. I bought an iron. Oh, an iron, yeah? So, You're going to sear your steaks with that iron? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, I, I live with a, a group of guys. Uh -huh. you know, yeah, I know, believe me. So, okay, you live with a group of guys. Go ahead. And, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's 2017, open relationships. It's all right. No, no. Um, anyhow, I, uh, asked if they had an iron and they showed me their iron and I was like, you know, I kind of want to, I've gotten to a point in my life where I think I can, you know, you can handle a, an iron, a quality <laughs> okay. iron. So I did some research, did my thing. And, uh, the very shirt that I am wearing, I see I, it. I ironed this. Wow. Hardly so you, any wrinkles. Do you iron your clothes much? No, I don't. I really think that's, I don't really see the point. I mean, when I throw them in the, you know, in the dryer, when they come out, they're not too wrinkly. Really? Even your dress shirts? Yeah. Well, maybe you have better quality dress shirts than I. I don't know. Could be. Something Could like be. That. But in either case, uh, regarding re-ironing things, let's uh, uh -huh. let's go back to some topics from we did from last week. Ooh, uh, very nice segue. Some, some, some updates to the stories, uh, and I think we need to address that here at the, during the podcast. Uh, United Airlines. Oh, yeah. They're they're in real hot water yeah. this time. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if they think beating up an old man and dragging <laughs> him off the plane is bad, wait till you hear what they did now. This is worse. <laughs> So, uh, so to recap on what happened last week, uh, that uh, East American gentleman, um, a doctor by the name of David uh, O, I think it was? Something like Something that. Something like that. Uh, he actually uh, won a, a claim lawsuit from that incident that happened. I'm exactly sure. like I said. <laughs> And uh, he, he's 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 well. He's off. doing okay. I think I think uh -huh. I think the it's been reached to an agreement. Um, uh, Isn't it nice when doctors finally come into some money? <laughs> Like it never happens, right? But no, so I'm glad that had concluded itself, uh, and to uh, to the, the proper way it should have. Um, but uh, also in the headlines, uh, apparently United Airlines had done another faux pas. They killed the world's biggest rabbit. Yes, indeed they have. So could, how could you even imagine something so <laughs> like? What's a more ridiculous headline than this? After what they did two weeks ago, suddenly they're killing the world's biggest <laughs> rabbit. Right, right. So, so what happened was, so there was a there was a rabbit breeder in England, right? Uh huh. And uh, apparently she was mailing, or not mailing, I guess, uh, Fly flying over a rabbit, posting, posting <laughs> the Rabbit Express uh -huh. uh, to a to a buyer. Um, for this, for the for the rabbit that she had bred, and it was like a huge rabbit. Just looking uh -huh. at the just, just looking at the picture, she's like holding it with two hands. Yeah, and it's like it's she was selling it to Burger King for their new Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but apparently, unfortunately, um, the rabbit uh, died in transit to uh, to America. Uh huh. Uh, we now here's the thing. No one knows why yet. I mean, this is a up. This is a latest story. No one really knows exactly what was the reasoning for the death of the rabbit. So I'm not gonna put blame either way yet. Mm -hmm. uh, so apparently that before it was shipped over, there was a medical veterinarian or whatever looking at the rabbit, and it was perfect health. Uh huh. Apparently, who knows? Um, and then while coming over, it had it had been. You know, it died. So they're investigating that, but I mean, like, it's just, it's just such bad press for United Airlines. Like, <laughs> it is, it's just it so is sad. totally ridiculous. When I, when I heard the news, and honestly, because I think, no, I laughed when I heard this. It's like, like, of all the things you could possibly imagine, right, right, I, suddenly I, I, they've got a dead, huge rabbit on their hands. <laughs> it's terrible, but I shouldn't laugh. Um, 
So yeah, so it's interesting too. Um, I wonder if the same lawyer who advocated for the uh, the the doctor, the other David, the other David, right? He had uh, will will advocate for the rabbit, you know, rabbit Maybe. rights, rabbit rights. You know, That's we, right. we got we got to fight for that. Um, and uh, again, this has been like a really weird news cycle. Two weeks of just or two or three weeks of just bad press for the for airlines. Oh yeah. Uh, oh wait, by the way, so here's my question before we get to All the right. next topic. Let's go. Airline. When you're on a plane, okay. okay. Do you think it's socially acceptable to go and have your chair pushed back? No, no way. Why? Why? You got to accommodate the other people. It's but, not just you on that plane. But, but here's the thing: like, don't, don't you think that, like, if you're tired, you should have that right to go and put your chair back? No, not when you're invading someone else's area. Then, if that were the case, then they wouldn't even give it you as an option to have it as an option to lean your chair back. Then, I don't know if that's true. So you would not lean your chair back if it's like an overnight flight and you want to go to sleep. Well, I mean, okay, I've only flown once. But so if you were in that situation, would you? It really it? depends on how much space I can see that the person behind me has. What if the person uh, has very little space? Then no, I wouldn't. I so, just. But sleep here's the question. Okay, sitting so, up. But here's what I've noticed when I fly. So when one person puts their chair back, okay, the other person the behind other person, them, that, and it creates a, a ripple effect of chair. So it's but that what if guy, that, But that, what if at one point in this domino, someone can't put their chair back because they're trying to do something? <laughs> Well, then that guy's uh, that guy's gonna experience a United Airlines experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> terrible, terrible customer service. Oh, aisle or window? Obvious. I'd want the window. What doesn't everyone always want the window? I, I, I kind of. Like I guess some too. people who are afraid of flying, I can imagine they want the aisle so they don't have to think about it. But I would think almost everyone wants the window. Yeah, I, I, I think I think window because having that as a resting space, I, uh-huh. I personally find that to be. And you're not like packed in between people right right so it's just a better experience well here's another question too if the flight's not very busy right um and you have uh, a center seat in in, in between two people Uh would you would you request to get another seat if it was not in between two people would you be that person if there were seats open yeah like with window seats yeah maybe yeah maybe i I would totally i mean i paid enough for this ticket oh yeah can can, can i play some musical chairs please Uh uh-huh um, anyways, back and if someone's got to get kicked off for it, <laughs> too bad for <laughs> That's them. Terrible. Um, no, so American Airlines. Okay. On, 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 on back on topic. American Airlines have is in real hot seat. A big sponsor of the show, by the way. Yeah, of course. You, God, we are really burning bridges. Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, apparently, so there's this uh, a woman who has twins. Okay. Uh-huh. And she uh, had a stroller with her. And from what I've read in the story about a couple of other comments about how it really works is that if you have a stroller mm-hmm. and there's enough overhead room, they can accommodate and put the stroller in the in the, in the overhead compartment. Okay. Um, if not, they, there's like other places to put it, but the but the parent can't have it on on their carry on luggage. Uh huh. So apparently, she asked a, a, a person before the flight took place, and long story short, she had brought it in because they said it was okay. Well, a steward, a stewardess, a stewarder, a stewardess, a stewardess. Well, was it? It a was a female. Male. It was a male, but we, we, a steward. A steward, I guess, an air flight attendant. There you go. Uh-huh. Um, a steward <laughs> had uh, had an issue with this and and took care of the situation very terribly. So she he yanked the stroller out of the woman's hand. She's okay. crying. She's two babies in her hand. She's pregnant, uh-huh. and this man's like brutalizing her and and and, and degrading her. Uh-huh. And during the whole, you know action that took place that the, the 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 pilots trying to get intervene and things like that and then then one of the passengers who turns out i think uh i think i read he was a priest oh yeah uh, he was like yeah you're not gonna do that to me man like you can't you can't yeah, <laughs> oh, you, you come over here don't mess with these priests out. yeah <laughs> and uh, must have been orthodox and, and it was just this huge thing the woman was eventually bumped the first class um, okay you know what i mean but um but yeah what the heck what the heck I, yeah I, I haven't 
really looked into this thing at all, so I can't make any comment as to what I think went wrong or right. <laughs> but but I, I just think it's just another example of how this this the airline system's all messed up. You know oh yeah, I mean? big like, time. I feel like I feel like this is just I I, I don't want to berate any more of these topics because we could literally talk about it forever because uh-huh. like flying is terrible. It's, yes. There's nothing good about it and uh, I just think it, it's just something that we just need to just to, to, to just completely change and like get get flying cars. Uh, oh, interestingly enough, oh, the, yeah? the, the, fe- the fella who was representing the the passenger from United Airlines who was brutalized, David, is, yeah, he was. He's also now representing the woman who was uh, mistreated in. Oh, American I bet. Airlines. Yeah. So this uh-huh. guy's making <laughs> oh, banner yeah. year, banner year for big uh, time. Yeah, airline lawyers. He's getting all those uh, commissions or whatever the whatever they call them. Speaking of making the world a better place, so. Um, there was this new commercial by Heineken. Heineken, okay. yes. Now, okay. The Pepsi commercial, pretty much everyone had heard of, right? Right. I mean, you know, it was a big deal. For me, I hadn't really heard about this Heineken commercial. Mm-hmm. I heard about it from you. Right. So I know that you're enamored of this commercial. I love this commercial. Okay, so, so, like, so I'm so going to let you explain it to the viewers who may not be familiar. Right. So um, the Pepsi commercial was trying to portray that... Pepsi will save the world from all civil strife, okay? Uh-huh. Heineken uh, had a different approach to this, okay? So you had two differing viewed people uh, and three or four sets of these individuals who had a conservative view of the world and a liberal view of the world. Like, for example, a male saying that feminism is just a guise for man-hating. Uh-huh. And then you had a, a female who was saying that feminism is trying to bridge the gaps between male and, and females. And then transgender issues. You had a guy that didn't support transgenderism and then a, a, a transgender individual who uh, uh, obviously does support it. So you had these two different people, but they didn't know their views were different. So they had to work together cooperatively, yada, 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 to uh, have this like social experiment. And in the end, mm-hmm. okay, they finally made this this um, uh, 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 climax where they're sitting at a table and you have two beers in front of them. Uh-huh. Before they drank... They had to listen to the video clip that they had recorded previously about their differing views. Mm-hmm. And so the guy that said he didn't like feminism was uh, was being played to the woman in that uh, obviously supports it. The transgender individual heard the, her partner also saying, like, I don't like transgender uh, uh, people, etc. And it was like kind of like it was sort of kind of cringy, you know? Yeah. And, it really, yeah. and in the end... Um, they ended the commercial with them like saying, "Yeah, yeah, we, we disagree, but let's have a beer and drink about it." You know, there's uh-huh. that proper. The idea is, beers facilitate, or being at a bar naturally facilitates conversation and change. And I feel like in a lot of ways that had a better message than, "Hey, just drink Pepsi and everybody's going to be happy and no more civil strife." Versus what I really think the actual answer, because this actually is my belief. I feel like if you want to change, if you want to have some positive, you know, evolution in the way in which our society is run. People need to talk. That's the thing. I think I think not having that conversation, people who dis- genuinely disagree with one another uh-huh. need to have a conversation. I don't know. That's just my opinion on the matter, to be honest Now, here's with you. the thing. I don't want advertising to have this social message. Oh, my God. We don't gosh. need it. I mean, <laughs> oh, go what? On. I, I got to get my social critique from some company trying to sell me stuff. I really don't care, like, whether it's correct or not or offensive or whatever. It's a commercial. I don't care. So, first of all, this commercial, what they should have done is had these people drinking the Heineken while they're trying to construct (laughs) this thing they're trying to do. And then after it's all mangled and messed up and they're good and drunk, then they play the video for them. And then we see, because, I mean, if you're talking in a bar, politics aren't going to come out until you're drunk, right? (laughs) 
So we need to see how this, you know, situation would play out in its natural habitat. What's going to happen when this transgen- transgendered person hears this other guy's rantings about how he doesn't like transgenderism after she's had like seven or eight years? How's the feminist going to feel about, you know, the guy talking about feminism is man-hating after she's good and drunk? That's the scenario we need to understand. I think that would probably be a more accurate description. And it would be a better commercial. (laughs) Do you just have people just ranting and drunk and just walking all over the place on set? And then they just start fighting each other. All right, fair enough, fair enough. But I will say this. I I, I was less offended. I felt it was more – I think it was more creative. And I feel like, honestly, I think it was just better – approached than the pepsi commercial i i I felt like it was too preachy for me here's the thing here's what kind of rubbed me the wrong way about it Mm. it was very obviously playing off the pepsi commercial right well here's the thing they saw the pepsi wait do we know that it came out after we don't know i don't Mm. know the timeline see that's the thing is this like a thing now where people are just um working on having this type of topic being the one that they're using or 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 what that's what i want yeah because how it struck me is you know the heineken guys they saw the backlash to the pepsi commercial Mm -hmm. even though most people like the pepsi commercial actually Mm -hmm. but they saw the backlash to it and they're like i still haven't seen that data yeah i know i know you're a liar go on no i'm not (laughs) and they're like oh we're gonna show them we're gonna have a socially responsible ad and we're gonna get all the brownie points i don't i just think that maybe it was just coincidental to be honest with you because it's think how long it takes for a production of a commercial like Really? You think it takes so long to find six people and have them drink beer and build a table? I don't think it takes that long. I think I could do it next week if I had, you know, a $300 budget. Oh, my God. No, I, I, I'll I, give it to the Dutch, though. They, 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 they made a great advertisement, in my opinion. For Heineken. And, and For Heineken, right? And I, I enjoy the beer, actually. Heineken, oh, yeah? I always liked Heineken. Now, I haven't had some in a while. Um, nah, yeah, I haven't. I remember you and I in college used to drink um, Heineken a lot. Of, yeah. It was more of Next a... episode, we're just going to get tanked on Heineken's, <laughs> and <laughs> you're, you're going to hear us in our natural state. No, but I, I will say that the that the, they did they did a good job. I think the Dutch are a wonderful people. Are you much familiar with the Dutch? Um, I traveled to Holland. I have a friend. I have a Dutch friend. Um, uh-huh. long time ago in university, I I did this program called the Urban Seminar, hmm. where um, uh, p- people would go into uh, Philadelphia and help out in the school system, etc. And one uh-huh. of the visiting universities in the program had uh had. Uh, uh, come from Holland. I think it was okay. Rotterdam University or what have you. Hmm. Uh, and that's where I met one of my friends from there. Her name's Monique. And uh, when I was doing my um, uh, traveling abroad thing a couple years back, just just backpacking, whatever, I, I wound up in Holland. And it's a beautiful oh, yeah? country. Love it. Absolutely love it. It's uh, Rotterdam has this beautiful architecture, very modern. Because um, the, the Germans like just, just destroyed everything. Yeah. Well, here's yeah. the thing. Like, Everyone knew Amsterdam was beautiful in in in, in, in uh, the Netherlands, uh-huh. um, and uh, everyone knew that was a beautiful city. And what Hitler wanted to do was make an example of of the Dutch and saying, "Listen, you're not going to do what we want you to do. Well, here's the results." And they destroyed all of Rotterdam. Oh uh, yeah. And a lot of the buildings were just 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 decimated. And they said, "If you don't submit, we're going to go to Amsterdam." Uh-huh. And that's when they allowed for. The civil, you know, that, that's when they said, "All right, we're putting our arms down. This is not happening." Yeah, they were like, Yo, "If you're going to destroy our weed, you can just come in and take over. <laughs> we're not gonna, we're not gonna let it go that far. <laughs> come, come on in, guys." Um, but no, but yeah, Rotterdam was a beautiful place. When I got off of the train, so the so you're saying the architecture in Rotterdam, like it's all modern. I mean, like the there, old, there's, like there's... medieval, early modern architecture is mainly gone from there now. Yeah, I would say most. Wow, of the, really? The original buildings. Huh. Yeah. All, um, 
they 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 hired a lot of really good architects, like modern architects. And yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's actually, I really I don't like modern architecture. Well, I think I don't know how how much have you really seen in person, to be honest with you. Like in, in person, person, not I guess not a whole lot. And I, think, I mean, obviously, I've seen a lot of pictures of it. Right, and I think too that that's the thing though, Tim. Like I think being in the situation where you're around the people, around the physical things, rather than reading about it, rather than um, seeing it in picture books. I think that's what travel is in and of itself. It could meant be. Because be. I think there's a change that goes on in a person when they uh-huh. travel. Like personally, I love to go to different countries. You know, any person like that's like a thing of mine. I think uh-huh. I've always been that type of person. But I, people sometimes say, "Oh, I like to see the ancient sites. I like to see, you know, this and that, or or what have you, to learn the language, or have you, yeah. which are all fine, fine, fine reasons to go traveling." But personally, for me. I always I wanted to see a different view of the world. Like uh-huh. when I go off and do something else, I want to see the people. I want to talk to the individuals, and I want to see their perspectives. And through this trip, when I went to when I went to the Netherlands and all the other trips I have, I've I've just immersed myself into. Tell me about like what's life like here and uh-huh. things of that nature. And I think that's what's important to do when you travel because you know. You're you're stuck in this microcosm in America where like we're the best, we're the best, we're the best. But there's uh-huh. so many other things that are that, that that are involved in other people's lives that we're just so oblivious to because we're we're on an island more or less. Mm-hmm. Like it's America. We got Canada up up, up north. Oh uh-huh. God forbid. And yeah. then and then Mexico. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I mean and uh, I just feel like having that experience is is, is, is impactful. I, I love Mike's. I loved I loved being in the Netherlands. It's a beautiful country. It's an yeah. absolutely beautiful country. Uh-huh. Now I'm gonna sort of throw an arrow on this one for a second oh gosh you know everyone when they travel they say oh it's such an enlightening experience i learned so much about the world (laughs) i take this with me all my life blah 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 you know what that always seemed to me just rich people like (laughs) trying to cover up the fact that it's, it's for that for most people travel is just consumption like everything else it's a vacation and it's an enjoyable experience but certain you know I mean, let's be honest, who travels? Pretty wealthy people, mostly highly educated, right? I, I so t- they can't just sort of admit to themselves that traveling, it's just consumption like anything else. It's an enjoyable experience. It's fun to do. They have to, like, ascribe some metaphysical <laughs> social value to it. It's like, you know, you you know, you dumb lower class people, this is so much better than buying a boat because I have all these social, spiritual values associated with it. I've seen that BuzzFeed commercial, Tim, or that skit, Tim. It's what so- are you talking? I'm not sure what you're referring to now. <laughs> no, no, no. There's just uh, I'm just insulting you. Oh, oh cool. I, I get it. I get it. No, I, 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 what I, what I mean is, like, for me, I travel not to show off to other people that I'm traveling. Uh-huh. I genuinely enjoy it. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I get it. Uh-huh. There's no question. I mean, and part of my senior thesis. No, I mean that's that's exactly what I mean. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Was about tourism. Like, I oh get yeah. It. Like, uh-huh. I, I, I studied the idea of tourism is a is an action of consumption. You're consuming a narrative. You uh-huh. know what I mean, especially in the big touristy places. For example, yeah. like mm-hmm. if you go to Disney World, you're cons- in America, and if you're from another country, you're consuming the idea of this Disneyism. Of uh-huh. This is what it means to be part of America. This 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 cartoon branch. Or if you're going to, uh, for example, uh, uh, England, okay, you go and you see the the, the, the royal palace. You, you see uh, you see um, uh, the chips and um, what do you call it the Fish and chips. Fish, like, fish and that's, chips. That's a consumption. However, Yo, fish and chips is good, though. Dude, I know. It's oh, my stuff. God. It, well-battered fish and chips. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. And, and I just... mean, obviously, I've only had it at, like, American diners. Right. I imagine you go to, like, a decent English pub. It's probably... That's the thing. Probably too. a lot better. It, it, well, it it definitely was, but it's so expensive there. Like, the yeah, pa- everything's expensive there in London, especially. Like, it was a joke when I was there. It's it's it was hard to enjoy. Like, 
at the same time. Like when I go traveling, like again, uh-huh. I am not of that category that you were referring to of these rich uh, individuals. Okay, David. Okay, David. I, I, I can't say that. When I travel, I travel very on a budget. It's not about eating to me. Again, it's really about yeah. just being absorbed in, into the people and the just culture. Just being somewhere. Yeah, and that's really I hear cool you. to me. But um, there's no question that um, that the food when I was there for fish and chips was part of the dialogue or the that, excuse me the narrative of, uh-huh. of, of of what England is. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like I was saying, I've never really traveled before. Actually, I've never been out of the country. But just recently, even just the past couple days, I was I don't know. I've kind of been won over to the idea that maybe late July, early August, sometime I want to go somewhere, even if it's just for like a week. Do it, man. So. What were your favorite places that you've traveled to? Because as as we've said, you've been all over for the most part. Yeah. Um, I, I know was, you really liked Poland, didn't you? Poland was a beautiful country. I will say that. I mean, I was, I, I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there. I'm the, I've been very fortunate. I've been uh-huh. very lucky to experience the experiences I've had. I've been very lucky to meet the people I've met in traveling. I've heard some horror stories about things just not going the way they needed to go, like you know, bad Euro trips and things of that nature. Uh-huh. Um. But I, I've been very fortunate to have the experiences I've had. Um, I, so I want to preface it with that. And I've grew up on humble means, and I and I've gone my way to do my thing. And uh, I've just I've just foregone things here in America to experience things outside of it. Because uh-huh. to me, that's what means more to me than say driving a brand new car. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh huh. So. But um, in that context, yeah, I was in Poland for a, a, a university uh, um, a trip. It was the history of the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was I was humbly privileged to to be in uh, the, the 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 concentration camps in Poland. It just it, it brings it to a different perspective for sure. You know what I mean? And I think um, that to me left an impact that I will take for the rest of my life. And it's important for those types of herit- uh, those, those sites to be, to be to be maintained and to, to continue to to be shown. You know what I mean? Because. Mm-hmm. I, I personally, you know, I, I was very, very much moved by it, even though I've read about it so much in my life. I mean, I was a historian. That's one of my degrees or that is in. And I, I, I personally felt that was, was impactful. So I think I was part of the trip. Having that, you know, aesthetic, you know, feeling of being there. Um, mm-hmm. But the country as a whole, though, is a wonderful place. Uh, Warsaw was beautiful um so was krakow uh-huh. uh those are the two big cities in poland um you get a piece of old poland and you get a piece of soviet poland like, yeah uh-huh. like i feel like there's like that feel to it and then they have this beautiful salt mine that is like hundreds of years old there's a whole hmm. so there's this old salt mine that uh, poland was a really big exporter of salt yeah and uh-huh. throughout its history co- uh, countries have been trying to war over poland for the salt for the salt and the fact that they were between the east and the west yeah. of europe mm-hmm. for trade Lines. So Poland's got a tough rap. Oh yeah, um, Poland's been you know split up and conquered God, and beaten ridiculous. down by everyone throughout yeah. the history. Uh, Poland, beautiful country. I, I I've been to the Czech Republic as well. I've been to Prague. Um, that was a pretty country as well. Uh-huh. Um, but you know what? You know I I do I will say this. If I had to go back to any of the countries that I've been to uh-huh. so far in my life, where I would go back to Ireland. Ireland, really? Ireland. There's just something about that iron. Hmm. Uh, I'm telling you that island is amazing. Um, I've been to, I was in Dublin for three days. Yeah. Um, and they have some of the most unique, um, I would say, uh, museums. Okay, art, like what, art, like art museums. Yeah, they, yeah. And don't I will give one critique to 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 uh, Dublin and your museums. I Uh-oh, didn't. Here I, it comes. 
Modern Art Museum was a letdown. Did not like it so much. Okay, I think come? I'm spoiled, though. because There's we, just we not the enough Phil- good stuff? Well, not so much that. It's just that we're near the Philadelphia Art Museum. Uh-huh. And that is like a big cultural icon in America as mm-hmm. far as, 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 as new art goes. And I'm near the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. Okay. You know what I mean? So I've seen that as a context. But you know what I have not seen? What haven't you seen? There was a... Uh, Museum filled with Asianic, um, Asianic uh, artifacts. Um, the it was the Chester Beatty Museum. Okay, and this museum I have found is probably the best collection of pieces of East Asia and the Middle East uh-huh. outside of that region. That's... Honest to goodness. I mean, wow. I it was like what kind of stuff? Like historical artifacts, so like pots and whatnot. Yeah. So here's how the story goes. It's um, Chester Beatty, I believe. He was like an enthusiast. Uh-huh. Um, I think during one of the world wars, he uh, um, afterwards he did not, um, um, I think, participate in the war or whatever. But he had the wealth to travel uh, around uh, before World War Two, uh-huh. and he collected all these artifacts, especially from Korea and uh, other areas as well. Which again. I think, too, is the fact that I think during the Japanese colonial period, you know, they were destroying a lot of Korean artifacts and things like that. So it was uh-huh. really neat to see these things, like, in display because outside of Korea, it's hard to find certain things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was not just Korean uh, uh, stuff. It was also uh, – there was Jap- Japanese things, Chinese things, a lot of Chinese things. I think it was uh, more so that. But then also in the Middle East, they had, like, like one of the oldest – pieces of scripture from corinthians oh like, really inex- like this parchment huh. like yeah i think older maybe perhaps older than the dead sea scrolls i, I wow. forget i forget what it was actually but the full but what it was uh there but uh, but again it was like this gem in the middle of dublin and i uh-huh. was like this is why i do this like where and i didn't even know this existed like and i'm a pretty astute man about when i go to places but mm-hmm. this thing just was here and um Dublin also had like an interesting Viking museum, like oh yeah, like this was, and then the Guinness Museum, the uh, the the Jameson Museum, uh-huh. like and the people there were freaking awesome. Like, really, I, I kid you not. Like, I was like, man, I would just I would come back here any day of the week. And the hostel mm-hmm. that I went to, like in the hostels in general, or in, in Europe that I've been to, have been awesome. Yeah, but the reason why I'd go back to Ireland is a because Dublin was amazing, uh-huh. and b um, I've never did any of the um, uh, the landscapes like i want i want to go uh-huh. backpacking i want to see yeah the hills yeah of that'd be cool i want to go around and just be part of that you know mm-hmm. what i mean so that's that, i mean those are the two big ones that i'd probably would say recommend yeah going because i think those are the two lesser trekked areas like everyone thinks of you know london france, france or yeah maybe Germany, maybe italy italy rome you know and I, I i i not to say that those other destinations like ireland poland or or, or maybe poland but um prague or um um, the Netherlands. I wouldn't say those are as romanticized as uh-huh. travel destinations yeah. as mm. the as the other ones are. That's true. And it, to me, you know, it was it was definitely again as I said, I've been very lucky and fortunate to be able to have experienced that sort uh-huh. of thing. And I think that's part of the part of the fun of it all because nobody really was talking about it, and as much as you would think, yeah, it was like, wow, this is awesome. I also think too. On a cultural standpoint, I don't think the Irish are considered like the epitome of of, of worldliness. Oh, I guess not. <laughs> I guess not compared to the Italians, huh? I think no. I think I think you know. I think history has not been as kind to the Irish. That's in, true. In romanticizing. That's true. The, that that location, to be honest with you, yeah. but it was a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. 
would definitely go back. What was the weather like? Was it really very dreary and I such? I was super lucky. I was super lucky. I had like three days of sun, and they wow. said that was so rare. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, With... <laughs> three days, all three days. For, for thousands of years, they're going to remember those three days of sun in a row. <laughs> I also like the. I traveled on ferry a lot. Oh in, yeah. In what do you mean ferry? Like across the like channels? The channels yeah. Like instead of that's fl- cool. I I like that. I wanna. I wish. This is another thing about planes. Yeah. They kind of like derail. <laughs> oh to planes man, again. we we even said we weren't gonna do it, <laughs> but we're gonna do it. They kind of deromanticize travel because it's mm-hmm. almost like teleporting somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you're in one place. Then you're in this, you know, metal box for however long. Right, right. Then you're suddenly in another place. Mm-hmm. You don't really experience going from one place to another and traveling across actual other locations yeah. to get somewhere I, else. I, I definitely found like I, I felt like I was a vagabond and a kind of like Melanchon's father or great grandfather. Oh was. no, yeah, Raul. <laughs> uh, no, 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 Roberto. Uh, Roberto, Roberto. Speaking Melanchon. of which, <laughs> so the results came in. Have you uh, been paying attention to this for the French elections? Yeah, for the first round. You know what's funny? Like when we, you did that. Uh, little segue into it last week i'm all uh-huh. like who the heck cares about this french election but now everyone cares it's really strange because like even just by hearing people on the on uh, you know passerbys and just saying the topic of the french election for whatever reason is becoming a topic of interest so i'm uh-huh. all like huh tim tim was on the button on i this was front. on the button there so yeah I, I i haven't really gone far into it but the people's names that you said uh okay. yes i have been hearing them who were they le, but something le pen okay marine le pen Yes, and mercantile guy, Ma- Marcelona. Emmanuel Macron. That's the guy. That's had, the one. Had in it. So, yeah, mercantile so, Macrona. So from your, from your political expertise, Tim, okay. what do you think's happened? What's going to go on? Oh, there's really no question right now that uh, Emmanuel Macron's going to win. Yeah. I mean, he's about 23 points ahead of Marine Le Pen in the polls. There's really probably not much of a... Uh, Route for Marine Le Pen to win it. Mm-hmm. Although this week there was a very entertaining piece of political theater. So in France, there's a whirlpool factory, right? A, a wor- oh. whirlpool, you know, like the uh, washer and dryer. Is it that funny? I don't so know. So there's a whirlpool factory. Was, <laughs> we're talking about washer and dryer companies now. We're oh yeah. Really, we're really taking this podcast to the next Darn level. Right. We're, we're breaking. The, we're breaking some barriers and walls. So apparently, okay. the company is thinking of now company. outsourcing. Their factory okay. to, you know, China or, where, or somewhere else, right? Okay. Getting it out of France. So Emmanuel Macron had, you know, a meeting with the executives to talk about this in the Chamber of Commerce. You know, all very formal in this big, nice building with all the rich people, yada, yada, behind mm-hmm. closed doors, right? So while this was going on, Marine Le Pen makes an impromptu stop to the parking lot of the factory, to meet one-on-one with the workers. And the workers, like, yeah, Marine Le Pen, like, they were really into it. They re- they really supported her. Right. And it was just really good optics for her. And then, of course, Macron hears about this. So he tries to go over to, like, you know, go tit-for-tat with her. Yeah. And when he gets to the parking lot, they all hate him. They're booing him. They won't let him talk. He's trying to, like, stand on the stage so that he can speak. But they're booing him, like, get oh, down, my. get down. So... That was a very interesting Man, piece of political know, theater. I did not know that a, a washing dryer site. Would oh, have, you better would, believe would cause it. Cause that much civil strife. You better believe it. So Melanchon did not win. No, Melanchon was a victim of the anti-Melon lobby. Oh. You know that that's another interesting thing uh, in um, not, French nope, politics. Nope, nope. The strawberry we're not, growers. We're, we're not doing this. <laughs> okay. Not doing this. No more fake history. Fake what? Fake history? I'm not. I'm not. We're not. Are you I'm kidding me? Listen, you. just because the anti-melon lobbies won't won't let this get out doesn't mean it's not real. <laughs> 
But yes, uh, Melanchon was a victim, so he's going to have to hopefully have better luck in 2022. 2022. I thought it was interesting, though, about um, Macron. Yes. I did hear that. So he was a nobody, more or less, for a very long time in politics. I think. Yeah, he he was. Well, I mean, he's not a career politician. Yeah, he, I think nine months ago, was it? He started the the political party that he's running on right now. Yeah, uh huh. That's what really made me fascinated. So he's the youngest individual. 39 years old. Who is running for a a high political, uh, the leader of France in history. Oh, is he really? Yeah, in the uh, youngest in history. All right, I'll take your word for it. No, that's what I heard. And then. He's the youngest in history, in French history, to run for the highest position of power. Um, Although Napoleon was younger when he came. I think came in to modern power. history. I okay. think we're going with for. I mean, Napoleon we're not, we're, was we're actually. Not... It's pretty funny. Napoleon was twenty nine when he was like emperor. Twenty nine or thirty. That's ridiculous. That reminds me of the quote of Caesar, um, where he was uh, making a comment about Alexander the Great. How yeah. Alexander uh-huh. the Great, at the age of nineteen, conquered most had already of the conquered world. the world, and it's like you know, and, and even though Caesar at that time was already very successful, yeah, he was. But the uh, famous story is he sees a statue of him, he falls to his knees and weeps because at his age, Alexander had already conquered the world. Yeah, he said something like it was. Um, I think I think Caesar was like in his like mid twenties. He's like, man, what a waste of my life. Uh-huh. I have not been able to do what this man had done. Alexander mm-hmm. the Great, of course, who uh, spread Hellenism throughout the world, and yep. I would say. Uh, because of that efforts, uh, the Roman Empire had an easier time being as strong as they were because they just... Maybe. Well, we're going to cons- okay. talk about that on another day. Anyhow, yes, there were younger leaders, but I'm saying in modern history that he's the youngest individual, 39 years old. I mean, uh-huh. how old was JFK when he ran? Oh, I don't know. Definitely older than that. Probably early, mid-50s. No, 40s. I thought it was... You no, think? No, I, I don't know. 30s. No, 30s. I'd be really surprised if it were 30s. Oh, that's something for our, our All right. listeners to... Our viewers can fact check us. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, uh, yeah. So and then so he started his own. Macron started the political party, uh-huh. the youngest uh, modern polit- politician, and uh, he has a good startup story. I think that is like half the battle sometimes when starting either a business or uh-huh. or a political uh, campaign is like, I started from nothing. I became something. I can do that to this country. I don't country. think we can say Macron came from nothing. He was a rich banker, and then he decided to go into politics. Oh man, man, that seems to be a very common theme throughout modern history. It sure does. And we need another Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. He was he was poor as dirt, and he became president. I guess you're right. I think he remember that old thing. He didn't have a chalkboard. He had that slate piece of slate and did math problems on it. Oh, okay. I had I had a, someone come up to me and said, "You know why Abraham Lincoln uh, had a big hat?" Someone just came up to you like on the street and <laughs> you're just walking. You're you're going to like get a burrito at Seven Eleven, and this guy comes up to you and said, "Hey, you know why Abraham Lincoln had a big hat?" Okay, so go ahead. It wasn't that organic. Uh, anyways, Abraham Lincoln put letters in there. Okay. <laughs> I just, and, and then you said, uh, all right, thanks, sir. I'm going to go get my burrito now. So, yeah, we need another Abraham Lincoln. I agree. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that uh, we got together today to be able to discuss these things. Um, before we leave off, though, um, okay. I think we need to tell the viewers uh, to thank you uh, for... Thanks for the support. support. Yeah, we've uh, this is our fourth episode now, and we've gotten so much feedback, so much positive reviews. Oh, yeah, I can't believe how many people have watched it already. It's, it's, it's you know, for, for, for what we, from what we see as a success, we, we do this for fun. Tim and I really do this for just, just, for, the, just for the lulls. 
Um, but no, we 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 are genuinely are, are 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 happy that you guys are enjoying this. The the feedback has been great. Uh, we set up a couple of our social media accounts uh, and websites that you guys need to uh, would love. We love for you guys to look at. We have our iTunes account. Just type in the Tim and Dave Show. I mean, if you're listening to this already, you probably already found us. Uh, so thank you. Uh, we set up our Facebook page. Please uh, join. Uh, it's called the Tim and Dave Show Podcast uh, on Facebook.com. Uh, also, we have our YouTube set up. We do teaser clips. We're going to be uploading these on our YouTube account. Just type in the Tim and Dave Show. Uh, if you would like to uh, contact us, uh, you can contact us at the Tim and Dave Show at gmail.com. Uh, if you have uh, any uh, uh, time or to look at our Patreon account, maybe uh, support us in that way. That's fine. Uh, just type in for the Patreon, uh, the Tim and Dave Show podcast. We have varying levels of rewards. If you donate a dollar a month, you can write us a question and Tim and I will be answering it here on our podcast. Uh, $5 a month. You can record yourself uh, asking the question. And again, Ooh, and we'll play the recording. Yeah. I like that. One. Yeah. Tim, I thought you knew this. Go ahead, David. I work with a great business partner. He's <laughs> awesome. He does. He does a lot. Actually, no. Tim's awesome. He's, he's been. We've been working hard on this. Um, and for ten dollars a month, you guys can pick um, a, a topic of interest that you would have, and uh, we would discuss it, discuss it here on the podcast. So, uh, but of course, if there is more interest on something, you can comment, subscribe, and maybe we can actually address that here as well. Uh, but you know, if you can't do any of those things, that's perfectly fine. Please, though, if you enjoy the content. Uh, leave a comment on our Facebook page mm-hmm. uh, and tell a friend. Uh, yeah, we share lo- it, share the link, post it on your wall. All those, do things. it all, do it all, man. Do it all, man. Tattoo it on your body. Uh, yeah, you know. do that. Um, <laughs> Make a wrap out of it. The t-shirts are coming out. But uh, <laughs> the, are coming out. the hats are coming out. No, the, 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 we're not even close. But the, the point... hats are coming out. <laughs> um, but uh, but again, seriously, everyone, thank you so much. And a big special shout out to our listeners in Mississippi. Yes, thank you so much. Did you know, uh, before we go, I just have to point this out. We were talking about Tim Hansen last podcast. Jim Hansen? Jim Hansen. Okay. You're, you're Tim. Uh, Jim Hansen actually came from Mississippi. Oh, wow. What so do you know? Elvis and Oprah. Wow. Yeah. Mississippi is a cultural powerhouse. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, folks, thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's been a pleasure doing this, and I hope to see you next week. This is Tim. And this is Dave. And this is the Tim and Dave Show. Take care.